Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, June 16th, 2019, in celebration of Father's Day, the sermon, The Genesis of Fatherhood, Lessons from Our First Fathers, will be taught by Pastor Thomas Slater. So grab your Bibles and let's open up to Genesis. Hey, this morning we're going to continue on in our series in Genesis, kind of. Instead of tracking along with where we've been this morning, we're going to look at the Genesis of fatherhood, lessons from three of our first fathers. So go ahead, get your notes out, get your Bible out. Let me pray for us, and then we'll hop in to see what lessons we can learn from Genesis. God, thank you um, for loving us. Thank you for being the perfect father. God, thank you for modeling to us what it means to love, um, what it means to serve, what it means to care. God, would you help us this morning? Help all of us, God. I know this is a a Father's Day message, but God, all of it applies to all of our lives this morning. So Lord, would you come work a mighty work in us, through us, to us, and help us do things for you as a result of everything said and done in this place this morning. God, would everything be done for your glory and your glory alone? And all God's people said, Amen. amen. We are in Genesis. Again, the Genesis of fatherhood. We're gonna look at some lessons from our three of our first Fathers. The first dad we're going to look at is Noah. Noah. Why Noah? Well, we're going to see that he walked with God. That's the first dad, Noah. He walked with God. If you've got your Bible, turn to Genesis 6. Genesis 6, 5 through 10, and we're going to see what we can learn from Noah. Genesis 6, 5 through 10 says this The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So God looks down at his creation. Remember the end of Genesis chapter one. God looked at all of his creation, and what did he say? He said it was very good. He said it was very good. And now he looks down on creation, and he sees that everyone's heart is only evil all the time. Verse six, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him to his heart. It made him sad and sorrowful. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now you recall this story, right? It's Noah in the flood, the ark, the animals, the boat, the rain came down, the flood waters rise and this, and this whole deal. Well, it says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Against the backdrop of all of these generations in the darkness of his time, he kind of shined like the brightness of a light bulb in a dark room. Verse nine, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, Noah walked with God. And the final detail, verse 10, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So what's the story? He, he, he paints this picture of, man, God looks down and everything has just gone wrong. People are, are only sinful all the time, completely at the core of their being. And against the backdrop of this darkness of his time, Noah shines out like a bright light bulb. And it said he was blameless, He was righteous, that he walked with God, and the final detail it gives us is that he was a dad. He had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I wanna focus in on this detail of Noah walking with God. You've probably heard this phrase before, especially in the church, if you've been around the church. Someone would ask the question, how's your walk? You've heard this before? 
Yeah, how's your walk? And it's talking about our relationship with God. How's your relationship with God? And really the term walk and the question, how's your walk, it's really helpful for us in figuring out how our relationship with God is. How many of you are walkers? You like to go for walks, you like to go for hikes. Um, That's great, I'm not. Um, That's fine. My wife and I, we like the idea of it, um, but we don't do it. Uh, probably, the, okay, the idea of walking down the street with my three kids just puts me on edge, right? So I don't, I don't do that. Um, but what I've heard from people who do walk, um, they, they say it's wonderful. Going for a walk with your spouse or going for a hike with a close friend, the things they like about it, they've told me, it's a chance to just talk and listen, right? Talk to your friend, talk to your spouse, talk to your son, talk to whoever and just listen, It's a chance to laugh about just the funny things that are going on in life or cry about the things that are difficult. It's an opportunity to learn new things about each other or remember things that you've forgotten. What's your favorite food? What's your favorite color? If you could live anywhere, where would it be? Or it's a great time to experience new things and reminisce about old things. Perhaps the time you saw a deer at the trailhead or the time the snake crossed the road or you saw your dream car when you were taking that one walk. For all of them though, they just say it's a time to just check out from the world and just focus on each other. That's why they like to walk. There's the exercise of it, but there's the experience of just walking in relationship with another person. And that's what this looks like for Noah. He walked with God. He talked and he listened, he laughed and he cried. He learned about who God was. They experienced things together like the flood. And through it all, Noah, he walked with God even though his generation did not. Now dads, this is one of the most important things that we can give our kids is our walk with God. My kids need a dad who walks with God. My wife needs a husband who walks with God. Now what does this look like? I think we really have two options for how we walk. We can walk according to the word or we can walk according to the world. The Bible speaks of both of these things. Matthew chapter six, or Micah chapter six, verse eight says this. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? So what's the big command? What's the thing that God requires all of us to do? He says, do justice, so do the right thing, to love kindness, Uh, This is a big word in our house when Audrey's pulling her brother's hair or the kids are stepping on each other's throat or high-sticking each other in the face with a hockey stick. We'll say, be kind. (laughs) We're working on the delivery, but the message is there, right? (laughs) Kindness, kindness, be kind to one another. He requires us to just do what's right. He requires us to be kind and he requires us to walk humbly with God that we'd have this relationship in our life, that we'd, we'd walk with him, we'd talk with him, we listen with him, we go through the good times, we go through the bad times, we're always right there walking with him. What does that look like for us? Well, for us, a practical way we can walk with God, we have a conversation, right? He wrote us this 66-book-long letter. We can open this up and hear from him as he talks to us. We can respond in prayer and talk to him. You really can't have a good relationship with someone if there's no communication, so that's the way it works with God. If we wanna walk with God, we have ongoing communication with God. Another way, Galatians chapter five, verse 16 says this, but I say, walk 
by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Take direction. Listen to God's voice. Listen to the Spirit speaking to you. Now, I don't know if if you're like this. I'm kind of like this. I feel like I have this innate ability um, to never need directions. Anyone else kind of like that? Like whether I'm trying to find a really obscure trail or a really obscure place to camp or just a weird item in the Home Depot, I feel like I never got to ask for help. Like I got it, right? I understand. I understand what I'm, what I'm trying to get and I will figure out how to get there on my own. Uh, and this is not what God says. God says walk by the Spirit, take direction, listen, ask for help. That's what he is. He's the helper. He's there to help us, to guide us. That's how we walk with God, we listen to God, we talk to God, we take direction from him. We can walk according to the word or the Bible also talks about how we can walk according to the world. Colossians 3, 5 through 7 says this, put to death therefore what's earthly in you, put to death. There's a theologian named John Owen with a famous quote and he said this, he said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. One or the other. You can make war against your temptations because your temptation will continue making war against you. Do you know what that is? Do you know what, what sins are in your life that you're constantly trying to kill, that you're constantly trying to put to death? Put to death, therefore, what's earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. See, this is our default position for every single one of us. At one point in our life, we walked according to the world, not according to the word. In Matthew chapter four, Jesus calls his first disciples. He comes to them, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It says immediately they left what they were doing and they followed him. Immediately they left what they were doing and they followed him. Jesus says, follow me. What's it look like to walk with God? It looks like follow me. That's what Jesus says, hey, let's go for a walk. All right, it's gonna be a long walk and it's gonna require everything, but it's a walk nonetheless. And we notice in Matthew 4 that Jesus doesn't just call them to something else, but he calls them away from what they were previously doing. And what I know from my own life is that the God, the things that God calls me to, while they might be unknown and I'm not quite sure what they are or where I'm going, they've always been better than what I left. This is what God does for us, dads. This is what God calls us to do. He calls us to walk away from the things of the world by walking towards him and living according to his word. So dads, how's your walk? Our kids, our spouse, our friends, our family, the world needs men who walk with God. The second dad we're gonna look at this morning is Abraham. In the story of Abraham, we see that Abraham trusted God He trusted God. Now, Abraham has an interesting story, right? Because his trust didn't just come overnight. It's not as if God just called him and then bam. Everything was hunky-dory, full trust all the time. Now, there are certainly some bright moments along the way, but we also see some times of doubt. If you have your Bible again, Genesis chapter 12, verses one through four. Genesis chapter 12, verses one through four. It says this, now the Lord said to Abram, he was Abram, then God renamed him Abraham. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So leave your country, leave your family. I'm gonna show you where to go. I'm not gonna tell you where it is. I'm just gonna show you where to go. 
and I will make you a great nation. He says, I'm gonna give you a giant family, not just a, a country. You're gonna have a giant family around you and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Notice this detail. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Okay, so he has 75 years worth of familiarity with the place. 75 years worth of putting his roots down in a community. 75 years of getting used to a certain way of life in one place. And then he calls him to leave his family, leave his kindred. He has 75 years of familial relationships built up. Now, I'm not quite 75. Um, I'm 30. And if God were to call me after just living 30 years pretty much in one place and 30 years with pretty much one community and just said, go, not gonna tell you where, but I'll show you how to get there, that'd be really, really difficult. It'd be very difficult. Yet the response we see in verse four, it just says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. God says, leave everything, follow me. I'm gonna show you where to go. And he trusts, he listens. Hebrews chapter 11, verses eight and nine, recounting these stories says this, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So total faith, total trust. I believe God's got a plan. God wants me to have this giant family and being a blessing to the entire world. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I trust him, let's go. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. So God gives him this promise. Here's, here's the deal, Abraham. You're gonna have a giant, giant family. I'm gonna be a blessing to you, and then you in turn are gonna go and be a blessing to the entire world. Now, Abraham's got a little problem. See, his wife, Sarah, can't have kids. She's what the Bible calls barren. So he's trying to figure this out. Okay, God wants me uh, to have this giant family, but my wife can't have kids. Maybe it's like a distant relative that God is gonna use to bless the whole world. And that's what he has going on in his mind. If we look at Genesis chapter 15, we see God actually corrects this thinking and helps him understand his plan all the more. Genesis 15, four through six. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. You're gonna have your own kid. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. You ever look up to the stars? You ever tried to count them? It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. If you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Your family is gonna be bigger than big. And it's gonna come through your own son. And it says this, he believed the Lord. He had faith, he trusted. And he counted it to him as righteousness. So Abraham sees the plan. Okay, so it's not against, it's not this other heir, it's not this other person in my family that God is gonna use to bless the whole world and bring in this giant family for me. He says, I'm gonna have my own kid, but he's still got this problem. See, Sarah is still barren and can't have kids. So 11 years goes by, 11 years of waiting for God to deliver on his promise, and yet again, he decides to take things into his own hands. Abraham wants a kid, he wants to have a family. Sarah wants a kid, she wants to have a family. And she's got this servant named Hagar, right? So she says, Abraham, why don't we have Hagar serve as a surrogate for me, and we can have a kid through her? Sounds like a great idea. 
So that's what they do. Hagar conceives, and she gives birth to a son named Ishmael. We fast forward to Genesis 17, uh, and God basically says, hey, cute kid, uh, not the promise that I made through him. I said I would do it, so trust in me. Where you're gonna have a kid. He goes to Sarah and says, Sarah, you are gonna have a kid. And you remember her response? She laughs. She says, ha, ha, I'm 100. I'm 100 years old, God. And he's like, I, I know. Goes to Abraham. Abraham, your wife's gonna have a kid. <laughs> she's 100. Don't tell her, but she's 100. And you know the rest of the story. At the ripe and fertile age of 100, Abraham and Sarah conceive and give birth to a son named Isaac. God delivers on a promise that was 24 years in the making. Proverbs 3, chapter 5, chapter 3, verse 5, it's up on the screen. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Like sometimes I think I understand a situation. Sometimes I think I understand how God's gonna do something. Um, and I constantly have to remind myself, the Bible tells me don't, don't trust my own my understanding. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. Do not lean on my own understanding. That's what Abraham's doing in this story. He's leaning on his own understanding. He understands that God's got a plan for his life and he trusts that God has a plan for his life, but he doesn't know how God is gonna make that plan come to fruition. So what's he do? He leans on his own understanding. Maybe it's this distant relative. God's gonna bless that way. No, you're gonna have a kid. Well, my wife can't have a kid, so maybe it's a different way. Has a kid with Hagar. God says, no, I told you I'd give you a kid, your own kid with your wife. So finally, God delivers on his promise and they have a sweet kid named Isaac. Now I say all that leading up to Genesis chapter 22. Go in your Bible to Genesis chapter 22. God has told them, I have, I, here's the promise. I have a plan for you. You're gonna have a giant family. Giant family. I'm gonna be a blessing to you and you are gonna be a blessing to the entire world. They have a kid named Isaac and God says, this is the kid I'm gonna fulfill this promise through. Genesis 22, starting in verse one. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I, he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Remember the promise, the one that God made the promise through, that he's gonna have a giant family through this one kid. Take that kid, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, if I'm Abraham and I'm trusting my own understanding and leaning on what I think the way things should go, I would say, God, you told me you had a plan. You told me you had a promise. You told me the promise was fulfilled through this little boy named Isaac. And now you want me to do what? Right? You want me to do what with my son? This promise, it makes no sense. Your plan makes no sense. But Abraham, we see he's learned to trust. He's really learned to trust in God. Verse three, so Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to a place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, so they've been traveling for three days, he turns to his servants and says this, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and then we'll come again to you. Do you see the trust? 
God says, go sacrifice your kid. So he takes his kid and says, servants, you stay here. Me and Isaac, we're gonna go over there and worship and then we are coming back. See, Abraham doesn't think he's actually going to sacrifice his son because God has told him that he has a promise that's gonna happen through that son. Verse six, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hands the fire and the knife. So they both, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, again, look at the trust. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. See, we like, like to paint this picture of this story as this like agonizingly painful thing of Abraham, I'm gonna go kill my son, I'm gonna go kill my son, when all of the, the evidence in this text clues us in that he never thinks that. He trusts God's plan, he knows God's plan. He knows the way this turns out and it turns out with God giving him a giant family through his son Isaac. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order laid the wood in order and bound Isaac with his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. The story of Abraham is an incredible story of unfolding trust, of learning to trust God more and more and more. The story of Noah is about a man who walked with God. Now, while both of them have some great examples, they both have uh, some not so great examples. Noah, after the flood, came off the ark, drank too much, and made a fool of himself. Abraham failed to trust God's plan throughout most of it, slept with his servant, and then banished his servant and the child uh, out of fear that someone would kill him for finding out that he had a wife. He gave up his wife to other men twice, saying that she was his sister. So kind of a coward. While there's great examples to follow, there's also great examples not to follow because there are no perfect fathers except the perfect father, God the Father. Dads, listen, you're not perfect. You're not, you never will be. The Bible tells us, Romans chapter three, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You've got sin in your life. Romans 3.10 says, none is righteous, no, not one. But he still wants to use you to do amazing things in the life of your kids. He has an amazing plan for you. Part of that plan is that you would walk with him and that you trust him along the way. Let's look at our third father briefly. God the father, the perfect father. We meet him in Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. He's the very first father in the Bible. In Matthew 23, it calls him all of our father. He says, call no man your father on earth for you have one father who is in heaven and this father that we have in heaven is a perfect father. We're gonna sing about it later how he's a good, good father. Two things we can learn from his love briefly. The first thing we learn from the, the perfect father's love is that we don't need to earn his love. We can't earn his love. 
Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's not as if God looked down on his kids and said, this one's great, this one's great, this one's great, this one's great. They deserve my love, I love them. No, God looks down and sees our boneheaded decisions, the knuckleheads that we are, and even though we try sometimes, we still fail. And God says, that's my kid. I love him. He just loves us. We don't do anything to earn his love. Dads, don't make your kids do things to earn your love. Just love them because that's the way God loves us. Secondly, you can never lose the perfect father's love. Romans 8.39 says, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Dads, we need to love unconditionally. We need to love no matter what. Dad, this is what our kids need. I wholeheartedly believe this is what my kids need from me more than anything else. My kids need a dad who walks with God. My kids need a dad who trusts in God. My kids need a dad who loves them the way God loves us. Now, there are a lot of important things I can give my kids in this world. I can implement the perfect strategy to help my kids behave the way they're supposed to. I can establish a structure uh, to just keep things going on track the way they should be. I can book activities and extracurriculars so they become well-rounded and enjoy their childhood. We can do our best to provide them with a big house and fancy things and fun vacations and all of this. You can do your best as a dad to build the family business and hopes of one day giving that off to your kid. And while those things are important, they are not the most important. The most important thing, each of us, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, everybody, the most important thing that we can give is a parent who walks with God, a parent who trusts in God. Even when the plan makes zero sense, we trust in God. And we love each other the way God has first loved us. I'm gonna have our dads stand up one more time. So dads, if you could stand up right where you're at and we're gonna have um, something else that's gonna happen too. Kids, if your kids are still in here with you, kids, do me a favor, um, go by dad and just grab his hand. If you can grab dad's hand or if you can put your hand on dad's back, whatever it is that you're gonna do, um, we're gonna pray for dad. We're gonna pray for dad that God would help him be the dad that, uh, that he wants dad to be. So kiddos and adult kiddos, I'm not trying to insult you by calling you kiddo, I just, just chill, okay? Um, kids, we're gonna repeat after me and pray for our dads. Go ahead and say, dear God. Like we're really praying and talking with God and we're excited about it, okay? Say, dear God, thank you for my dad. Would you help my dad walk with you? Would you help my dad trust you? And would you help my dad love like you've loved us? God, help me love my dad today. Help it be a special day for him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me close this in prayer and then we're gonna get into worship. Go ahead and stand with me. God, thank you um, for the amazing gift of being a dad. God, thank you for the amazing gift of having a dad. God, we don't take these things lightly. Would we accept the roles that you've given us? God, would all the dads, the granddads, the great-granddads who are here this morning, would all the moms, the grandmoms, the great 
grandmoms, would all the kids, would everyone here this morning take these principles and apply them to their lives? God, would we be people who walk with you even in a generation that does not? Would you look down upon us and find favor because we walk with you? God, would we trust you even when times are tough, when things don't make sense, when we feel like we understand your plan but we simply don't? Would we keep on trusting no matter what? And God, thank you for your love. Would you help us love people the way that you first loved us. God, we love you. We ask for your help. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. We have a good, good father, amen. Amen. He loves us dearly. Would we go and love each other just the same? Happy Father's Day, dads. Bless you, guys.